There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Bible's up. Let's go. I'm ready to hear. Then do your word, which I'm about to receive, which makes all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. So God, have your way in the experience tonight. Father, we ask that you move by your spirit. Father, speak to us with clarity, speak to us with strength, and speak to us with power. Can I get you to just open your mouth and release 10 seconds of worship? Everybody, everywhere, go. What does worship mean, Bishop? You tell him how worthy he is, how amazing he is, how great he is, how strong he is, how powerful he is. Come on, I need you to release it. Release it in Atlanta. Release it in Denver. Release it everywhere. Everybody, everywhere. Come on, lift both of your hands. There's two Hebrew words. One is yada, one is todah. One means I release something. The other means I receive something. One means I give you my issues. The other means I receive Emmanuel. One means I give you my problems. The other means I receive the Prince of Peace. One means I give you what I'm stressed out about. The other one means I receive the Savior. One means that I give you my issues. The other means I ex receive your solution. In Jesus' name. Now I need some of y'all to not worry about your neighbors, but can I just get you to release a crazy praise in your house Wherever you're at, on your job, don't worry about who's around you. I said a crazy praise. Y'all are playing with this thing. Somebody say, speak to me tonight, God. 
So guys, we are in a new series called Bad Boys. We've been using men from the Bible um, that conquered enemies while confronting their enemy, enemy. If you look at the series graphic on the screen, you will see that there's one individual. That one individual is now in a fight with the two sides of himself. You look at one side, which uh, one would look at is more of the demonic side. Interestingly enough, when we think of, of the demonic, it really deals more with the sensual. What do you mean sensual? With your senses. That's what the Bible says. We walk by faith. Watch me, not by sight. It didn't say we walk by faith, not by devil. Mm, what are you saying, Bishop? Sometimes what's demonic about you is that you do what you want to do. Let's talk. Put the image back on the screen. Sometimes the great issue that you have with yourself is that you fulfill your desires instead of the desires of the Lord. And I need everybody to open up your mouth. Say, Lord, your will, not mine. Your will... Now, my, the other oh. side you see is the angelic side, if you will. And you'll notice that's where he's got his weapon. Check this out. One man dealing with the battle of the enemy while simultaneously fighting his enemy. I need everybody to hear me. God's not going to wait until you have it all together before you to make some progress. I'm going to say that again. God is not going to wait before you have it all together, before you make some progress. Stop waiting on perfection before you make progress. Too many people are saying, well, as soon as I do this, as soon as I do this, as soon as I get this together, as soon as I do this. And God says, listen, while you're dealing with your enemy, simultaneously, I want you to conquer some enemies. Open up your mouth and say, I'm seeing results in my life. Come on, say that thing again. Say, I'm seeing results in my life. So here's what we've learned. We've learned that God makes us, then life tries to remake us and break us. And Sunday's message was called what? Better call Saul. It ended with an interrobang, which is a, uh, a phrase in punctuation. It simply means it's a question that's rhetorical. It's a question that has doubt embedded in the question. So when we said better call Saul, what we were really saying is don't call that man. Why? Because he, watch me, cannot be trusted because his enemy makes him fumble with his enemies. I'm going to say it again. His enemy makes him fumble with his enemies. Why is this important to understand, Bishop? Because you got to learn how to fight both of them at the same time. Some of y'all keep saying, God, I just need some peace. And God says, that's not how this works. I'm going to need you to learn how to deal with you and who your haters are at the same time. I'm going to need you to learn how to deal with your insecurity and your crazy mama at the same time. I'm going to need you to learn how to deal with your inner issues and your external battles at the same time. I need you to type it on chat. Say both of them, both of them, both of them. It's a slang term, B-O-F-F-U-M. It means both of them. And I'm going to be able to have to fight both of them at the exact same time. And that's where the challenge is. Because most of us say, once I'm good with me, then I'll deal with that. That's not how it works. Some of you say, once I deal with that, then I'll deal with me. That's not how it works. You're going to have to learn how to be in surgery and watch me and fight at the same time. Y'all miss me on what I just said. You're going to have to learn how to be laid out in the middle of dealing with your own issues and deal with your family stuff at the same time. You're going to have to learn how to deal with your internal issues and your external issues at the same time. That's the way it works. And the problem is most of us, you want to deal with one at, this, at, at, at one time and not deal with both at the same time. And that's not how this works. Because what ends up happening is that you stop making progress in one area and you think you're making progress in another area to only then get back to that. You ever felt like you took a couple steps forward and you're like, now nah, I'm going to go good with this. Then when you go back to look at what you thought you already had good, it's toe up. This is why you have to do both of them at the same time. And I just need you to realize you got a same time of grace. 
What you mean? What's grace? It's when God adds his super to your natural. It's when God gives you his anointing. What does that mean? God's going to give you some oil to make it easy. Whenever you're getting ready to bake something, what do they do? When the heat rises, you need oil at the bottom of the pan so don't nothing stick to it. Y'all better hear me. You have got the grace to be able to deal with you and who's against you at the same time. So here it is. Check this out. Sunday's message was called Better Call Saul. Saul is introduced to us in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse number 1. He's introduced to us as the son of a man named Kish. Kish, uh, his name means power. Somebody say power. He's also a man of wealth. Somebody say wealth. Now, check this out. That means he is not, watch me, he's not from a bad lineage. When you and I are born again, we are literally given a new spiritual bloodline. Hear me. Which means the natural one is not more powerful or potent than the spiritual one. And some of you keep making spiritual excuses because of natural bloodline. And I need you to hear me. God says you are the curse breaker. You are the interruption to your bloodline. You're the curse breaker. You're the history maker. You're the line crosser. You're the boundary breaker. It doesn't matter who you were born to, what they did, what they did to you, what they did not do. God says when you were born again, the reason I call it born again, which means you get to start over. I need you to open up your mouth and say, I'm the refresh. I'm, baby, I get to start over. It don't matter what nobody accomplished in my bloodline. Watch me do it. It don't matter what nobody else got done in my bloodline. Watch me do it. I get to start over. So Saul, watch me. His bloodline is like ours. His, his daddy's name means power. And his daddy is wealthy. The Bible says, all the gold is his and all the silver is his. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Which means our God lacks nothing. That's important to understand. Because if you think your God needs help, you won't think he can help you. That's why the scripture says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. In other words, let me see the stuff about him I don't see because my issues seem to overwhelm me. Let me back the thing up. Let me magnify so I can see the things about him I don't see because my issues sometimes overwhelm me and they seem bigger than my God. So then I will think that he is inept and cannot help me because I think that he needs help. But that's only because I need to magnify him. <laughs> Means focus on him. Watch me. For many of you, as you're getting ready to come out of quarantine and have already come out of quarantine, I need you to hear me. God needs you to magnify him now more than ever. Why? Because where you're getting ready to go in these last six months, baby, it's about to blow your mind. Mm. I wish I had some faith online. I just need you to open up your mouth and say, he's putting something big in my hands. Say, and it's about to blow my mind. I need you to start praising him like every debt just got canceled. I need you to start praising him like every issue just got resolved. I need you to start praising him like every problem just looked at you and said, I, I can't take no more. Every time I turn around, here they go giving me glory. Every time I turn around, here they go giving me praise. Somebody say the last six are going to be the best six. You're about to be so glad you didn't take your life. You're about to be so glad you've been consistent. You're about to be so glad you've been given. You're about to be so glad you've been serving. It's about to pay out. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, listen, listen. We got these seats up here, but I don't. It just pops because I don't know if I'm going to be able to sit down. Listen. He's introduced, 1 Samuel 9, he's introduced as the son of what? Kish. Whose name means what? Power. And he's a what? 
wealthy man. Which means Saul is just like you and I. You and I, T-Y, that's unity. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, huh. Queen Latifah. All right, listen. Check this out. Saul's name, say what does his name mean, Bishop? His name means borrowed or asked for. Really, those are not the same thing. Um, because borrowed, watch me, you and I are all living on borrowed time. I need you to stop thinking that life is about you and what you want to do and how you want to do it. You literally were sent here on God's time to get some things done. See, you count up every birthday, heaven counts down. And the reason I need you not to waste time with people who ain't trying to go nowhere is because, watch me, is because they are literally wasting time on your clock. I need you, watch me, some of you need to do an inventory of the people of your life and determine who's not coming in the second half. Sometimes a football team has to go into the locker room in between halves and say, listen, we don't like the way some stuff went this first half. And so, listen, you may have ran the ball during the first half, but listen, you fumbled it too much, so the second half, you got to sit on the bench. Some of y'all need to bench some people for the second half of your year because they're not qualified to play. They're not qualified to carry what you got. They're not qualified to walk with you. And I need you not to feel bad like, well, everybody got issues, everybody got problems. But you're not going to be the reason I lose my game because I'm fooling with you. I need you to open up your mouth and make this declaration and say, all I do is win. If you're not helping me win, you are in my way. If you're not helping me win, you are in my way. And Harvest, we got to be the church. Then watch me, where we help one another win. We support one another, speak life into one another, build one another up. Uh, listen, a movie said it like this, am I my brother's keeper? And here's how you respond. Yes, I am. Let me ask the question. Are you your brother's and sister's keeper? Yes, I am. So watch. Saul, he mean, it means borrowed. You and I are living on borrowed time. Our time is not our own. We don't even get to decide it. You don't get to decide your exit from the earth. The scripture says in Job 14, he says that our days are numbered, which means, watch me, that, that, that not counted, but numbered. Counted means that God's seeing what the end going to be. Numbered means he's already predetermined when the end should be, which is why you cannot waste time, look at me, in depression, you cannot waste time in guilt. You cannot waste time in shame. You cannot waste time fooling with folk that aren't trying to do anything. Why? Because my days are numbered, and I don't know when my number's up. I need you to let that settle on you for just a moment. Because watch me, many of you keep living, well, I'm going to do that, watch me, I'm going to do that in 10 years. You may not have 10. Whatever you're going to do for God, you need to do it now. Woo! I need you to make that declaration and say, Lord, whatever I'm going to do for you, give me the grace to do it now. So his name means borrowed, but then simultaneously it means asked for. Now, asked for is significant. Why? Because literally the children of Israel prayed and asked for a king. God says, I don't want you to have a king. I want to be your king. The children of Israel said, but these other nations, watch me, these other nations have a king and we want to be like them. Stop. You know you're getting into trouble when your prayer is to be like somebody else. You are so busy trying to be, watch me, a celebrity you see on Instagram that you don't realize that, watch me, you had to pose to post, which means that's not even real. That's something that you got ready for so you could post it, which means that's not your everyday normal. You had to get ready for that. 
So what you celebrate is somebody's Tuesday afternoon. Watch me. They had to get ready. They had to go get hair. They had to get makeup. They had to get lashes. They had to go buy some teeth whitening. Y'all ain't going to say that to me. They had to get some stuff to stretch their skin out so the wrinkles ain't showing. Y'all ain't said that to me. They had to pose to pose. What are you saying, Bishop? Be careful. Watch me. That you are not asking God to be a duplication when you are supposed to be an original. Now, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that, Bishop? Let me, let me deal with that for just a moment because we live in this time now where everybody, watch me, is, is sometimes so focused on being an original that you don't have the same values of the scripture, which means you say, well, this is how I see it. This is how I view it. And God says, no, I need you to duplicate everything that I said you're supposed to be, but I don't need you spending your life trying to, uh, watch me, trying to duplicate another individual because you robbed the world of the thing that I put in you that nobody else can do. Did you lay your hands on yourself? Say, there's something in me nobody else can do the way I do it. Say, but if I don't do it, God will pick somebody else. And I don't know about you, ain't nobody else getting picked to do what I'm supposed to do. I need you to open your mouth and say, nobody else is going to do what I've been chosen to do. So they asked for a king, even though God did not want for them to have a king. And so uh, in this, they, Saul is literally asked for. And so Saul becomes the first king for the children of Israel after a time uh, of the judges. Now, when we look at this, he's described as the most handsome man in all of Israel. And what do we learn on Sunday? That because he's described that way... It teaches us something about his personality. It teaches us something about what he's focused on. See, everybody only looked at Saul and saw Saul's external, which means Saul thought his only value was how he looked, not who he was. The danger is, is you will allow, watch me, the things that people focus on about you to become the only thing you focus on about yourself, which means you become an underdeveloped person. Let me see if I can say it another way. You're like a cake that's, watch me, that's moist in the middle. Let me see if I can say it another way because some of you are like, well, Bishop, that's a good cake if it's moist in the middle. Mm -mm. You're a cake that's, watch me, uncooked in the middle. I need you to catch that. You're a cake that's uncooked in the middle, which means, watch me, your edges are rough, but inside, watch me, you're not even done. <laughs> Y'all not saying that to me. And here's the deal. You're used to everybody seeing your edges, but they need to. <laughs> I'm going to leave that low. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. He got so used to developing his external that he never dealt with his internal because he essentially was a pretty boy. And there's nothing wrong with that. Only problem is, is that it teaches us something about how Saul thinks. Saul thinks as long as it looks good, I'm good. As long as it looks good, it doesn't matter what it really is. Can we be honest? How many times in your life have you been in that place where as long as something looked good, it didn't really matter what it really was? People do this in relationships. People settle all the time. As long as it looks good, it, it, it really doesn't matter what it really is. Can't stand one another sleeping in different beds, but married and all that. And, but as long as folks think that y'all got it going on. It looks good, but it doesn't matter what it really is. Watch well, I me. Mean, sometimes even your praise and worship, you got to make sure that you're not doing it just to compete with somebody else's. Mm. Come on. You got to make sure that, watch me, that it is something that is in you because it is in you, not something you are doing to make somebody think that it's something else. Here's the question. Who are you really? That's the real question. Because Saul, Saul really, he was so concerned about his external. He never dealt with his internal because he focused on what the people made important. This is important, guys, because when his father loses some donkeys, and what did we learn on Sunday? Donkeys, in the Hebrew culture, uh, they were like luxury automobiles. So he didn't just lose one donkey. He lost what? 
donkeys. The Bible don't say how many. He lost what? Donkeys, which means his daddy was loaded, which means Saul didn't come from no junk. Just like you and I have not come from junk. You and I, watch me, we are kings and priests. We are, watch me, sons and daughters of the Most High God. I need you to make that declaration. Say, I'm a king and a priest. Say, a son and daughter of the Most High God. That's important. So they go to look for the donkeys, and we discovered on Sunday that they went four places to look for the donkeys. And these four places that they go to look for the donkeys is life trying to remake him and break him, watch this, as a young man. I'm going to say it again so you get it. God makes us, then life tries to what? Remake us and break us. Watch me. And it often starts when we are young. See, a lot of the stuff you're dealing with as an adult now, it didn't happen in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Mm -mm. This stuff started when you were nine. Started when you were six. Started when you noticed the way you got treated different than your brothers and sisters. Come on, y'all. You, you noticed this stuff when you were young. That's what the Bible says in Job 14.1, that, uh, that man's days are short and they're full of trouble. In other words, life has been trying to break you and remake you since you got here. But I need you to make this declaration, and I need you to say this thing with some authority and some power. Say, but I'm still standing. You ain't saying it like you mean it. Say, but I'm still standing. Life has literally tried to break you down to the very last compound, but you're still standing. Life literally tried to make you take your own life, but you are still standing. I need you to know you sit next to a survivor. I need you to know you sit next to somebody that's thriving. I need you to know you ain't sitting next to no punk. You sit next to somebody that was sent to rule and to reign and to conquer and subdue. So he goes how many places? Four. He goes four places, and this is, represents life trying to break him and remake him. The first place he goes, we learned on Sunday, was Ephraim. So what is he trying to do? Find his father's donkeys, which means his father sent him to find something that was his. But as he's, watch me, as he's trying to, as his father is vicariously trying to live through him, it ends up trying to break and remake him. So he goes how many places? Four. The first is Ephraim. Ephraim means, watch me, High places where they used to be very fruitful. So what is he trying to do? He is trying to have present success living off of past success. And I said to you on Sunday, you've got to learn how to reinvent yourself. The you, watch me. If you are still the you that you are now, if this is the same you that you were 10 years ago, something's wrong. People should look at you and say, you've changed. You should say, that's the whole idea. I should not still be the same way. Ain't it crazy? Watch me. If you are a butterfly that's gone through the stages, here it is, how many? Four. Mm. If you are the butterfly that's gone through the four stages of development, one, you start as small as a sesame seed on a sesame seed bun. Two, you go to 100 times your size as a caterpillar. Three, you go into a cocoon or a chrysalis where you are suspended under a leaf or you are literally planted in the ground. Check this out. And four, this is where we see the butterfly. If the butterfly at stage four, watch me, if you're going through all of that and you still act like the sesame seed, there's a problem. What are you trying to say? Everything you've gone through was to get you to where you are at. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And watch me. Let's be honest. A lot of what we've been through wasn't God. It was us. But our God is so amazing that Romans 8.28 says he makes all things work together, which means he will take your screw up, he'll take your mess up, he'll take your disobedience, come on y'all, he'll take your failure, and he says, now watch me make something beautiful out of the mess that you set into motion. 
So for everybody that's beating yourself up tonight, I need you to take that baggage off. For everybody that's saying, I screwed up too bad these first six, take that baggage off. And I need you to make this declaration with some faith. Say the last six months are going to be the best six months of this year. So here he is. He goes to Ephraim. It means high places where they used to be very fruitful. So essentially, that represents, here's what life tries to do. Remember when? Remember when you used to have this? Remember when you used to have that? Remember when you used to do this? Remember when you used to have that? And so the lesson there is you got to learn how to reinvent yourself. Because life will try to remake you and break you based on what you used to be good at. Based on what you used to have accomplished. The second place you go is Shalisha. Not Aisha, but what? Shalisha. Shalisha means a place of idolatry or false gods. So the second place you go life tries to break you or remake you, is where you create false gods. What's God mean? It means a source. So a false god literally means a false source. What does that mean? There's only one source. Look at me. Your job is not your source. It's a resource. If you treat it like it's your source, you will always chase money. Money will never chase you. Come on, y'all. It, watch me. Your relationship is a resource. It is not your source. Stop telling you my everything. You crazy telling another human that. That's too much power for a human being to have over you. Because what you're saying is, watch this, without you, I can't be me. And you need to learn, watch me, the best relationships are not where you complete me. That's only happens in Johnny, uh, Jerry Maguire. The best relationships are where you compliment me. In other words, when I get around you and you get around me, we make each other better. But baby, don't get it twisted. If you want to walk by, you hear a false god, a false source. What have we made false sources and false gods in our life? What is it, your job? Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your relationship. We've all made something a false source in our lives. And what God has to do is then once you make something a false source, you then make it an idol. An idol. I want you to imagine this stool is an idol. So here's what God has to do. Whenever you make something an idol, God says, I will have no other gods before me. Which means whatever you make the idol, I have to take it. I have to take it. Look at me. There are certain things in your life that used to occupy that place that God says, you made a source out of it. So I had to take it. Because, watch me, you stopped being faithful to me to honor it. You stopped being faithful to God to honor them. Y'all are quiet in here. You stop doing right by God so that you could go on vacation with your boo. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. And God says, listen, okay, listen. God says, why is it that you always create a false dichotomy of choice? What does a false dichotomy of choice mean? It's where you pit God against stuff God made. God is like, why are you even putting me? Why are you chasing money when I got all the money you need? <laughs> you can have whatever you like. But God is like, why? Why would you even pit me against money? Why would you pit me against your family? Why is that even a question? If God is God, let him be God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what did he go? The second place he goes in life is he starts making all these false gods, idols. Sometimes you can make an idol out of what you think you are, who you think you are, what you think we've done. We've all done it, y'all. Come on, let's be honest. We've all done it. You, you can make an idol out of who you think you are. I, I'm this. I'm that. I'm this. And that. So you make an idol of it, and God says, well, I have to take that down because there will be no other gods before me. 
There's a story in the Bible about how um, Dagon, this false god, uh, and, uh, and the Ark of the Covenant were in the same room. And when the Ark of the Covenant and Dagon were in the same room, every time they woke up and came back into the room the next morning, Dagon was on his face, bowed down facing the altar. And they wanted, it had, kept happening, and they said, how is it that Dagon, look at me, Dagon was a statue. Mm. How is it that the statue keeps falling? It's too big to fall on its own. But God says, listen, I will not have any other God or source before me. Everything in your life is going to have to bow the knee. So that's why you don't need to make a false God or false source or any idols. Because if you do, I'm going to knock it on its face and I'm going to make it worship me, the Lord says. Let's take a moment to repent. Say, Father, forgive us, Lord, for every place we've had a false God. For every place, we've placed an idol. Forgive us tonight in Jesus' name. Okay, let's keep going. The third place he goes is Shalim. Say Shalim. Shalim means little foxes. And we learn, watch me, that's a significant phrase because Song of Solomon 2 and 15 says, Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in full blossom. We learned on Sunday, little foxes represent the little things that you choose to ignore. Notice it's the little foxes that do what? That spoil the vineyards. What does that mean? When the fruit's there, that's when the foxes show up. Let me say that again so you get it. When it's time to get your fruit, that's when little foxes show up. See, a lot of you, you've had a, little, a lot of little problems messing with you. Can I tell you what that's an indication of? It's harvest time. Some of you seem like every day you got little this, little this, little this, little this, little this, little this, and little thing after little thing comes. I need you not to let them sow you down or shut you down. I need you to open up your mouth and say, it's fruit time. Come on. Come on, y'all say it. Say it's fruit time. They only show up when your vineyards are in full blossom. So when you got big things popping, little things trying, trying to stop. Now, this is important to get because often... What do we do? Life tries to break us and remake us. We ignore little things. You, and when you ignore it, it becomes a bigger problem. When you ignore it, it becomes a bigger problem. Bishop, give me scripture for that. No problem. The enemy is represented as a serpent in Genesis. A dragon, again, in, 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 in Revelation. Okay, maybe, maybe somebody next to you knows the difference between those two antimos. Antimos, right? Right? Whatever you ignore, watch me, what, whatever you ignore won't ignore you. Whatever you won't handle will handle you. Which is why we've got to be careful that, watch me, that we don't allow ourselves to ignore the little things. Can I get you to type on the chat some of the little things that you know that you ignore? Some of the little things you know that you ignore. And you say, I'm not going to do nothing. I ain't going to send it. But, but watch me. But it's still a problem. It was, it's been a problem for the last 15 years. You just keep saying, I'm going to ignore it. It's been a problem for the last 12 months. You just keep saying, I'm going to ignore it. It's been a problem. And watch me. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, just going and starting issues and starting stuff. I'm talking about stuff where you can look at it like this is a problem that needs to be dealt with and you don't deal with it. Listen to me, married couples. Little foxes will ruin your marriage. You think it's the big stuff. It's not the big stuff. It's the little stuff because the little stuff piles up. And then all of a sudden now you got, what's me, 150 loads of clothes to wash. Y'all hear what I'm saying? All right, here's the fourth place that they go. Fourth place is Benjamin. <clears throat> Benjamin means ravenous wolf. And actually, it's plural, ravenous wolves. 
So the first place he goes, past success. Second place, false gods or idols. Third place, little foxes. Fourth place, ravenous wolves. Now we've seen this metamorphosis of the beast. What you would not deal with has gone from being a little fox to a ravenous wolf. What does ravenous mean? They tear things apart. Life tries to remake you and break you. So because you did not handle the first three right, now on the fourth one, life is trying to what? It's trying to literally rip you apart. Ravenous wolves. Here's the thing. The wolves are all fighting to see who the alpha will be. The wolves are fighting to see who the one at the top will be. Look at me. Oftentimes, the ravenous wolves have your last name. What do you mean? Because people are trying to fight, and people are trying to, watch me, they are literally snatching one another apart, talking about one another, gossiping about one another, beating one another up, beating one another down. Why is this happening? This is happening, why? Because ravenous wolves want to tear something up so that the only thing left standing is them. What does this mean for our lives practically? Where in your life have you literally acted like a ravenous wolf? Acting a fool to fight to be right. Acting a fool so that you get the last word in the argument. Y'all ain't gonna talk to me. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing to me. Letting the, letting the opinion of a sheep interfere with you who say you a liar. I've never seen a lion tripping over what a sheep thinks. You know what I'm saying? How many places did they go? Four. They go four places. And then it gets to, here it is, the fifth place. The fifth place is called the land of Zuff, which literally means the land of the man of God. It's interesting because four is the number of creativity in the Bible. After four, they face a challenge. The challenge is Saul is like, let's go back, lest my father worry about me. Whenever you face a challenge, you have two options. You can get creative or you can what? Cancel. How many of us, can be honest, there's been some challenges we face where we cancel? How many of us can be honest that there's some challenges we face where we got creative? Hear me. For the next six, you, you got to get creative. See, they go to this fourth place and they get creative. Saul wants to cancel, but he's got a friend with him. He's got a servant with him that says, listen, I heard that there's a man of God in this city, and he can tell us our way. I need you to catch this. You need some friends on your team and in your life that when you're ready to cancel, they get creative. Matter of fact, I prophesied that the next six months of this year, you would have people around you that show you how to get creative and not just cancel. Quitting is easy. It doesn't require that much energy. Creativity does. I pray that every ounce of creativity in you, it would be stirred to the full so that you would figure out how to successfully conquer every enemy in Jesus' name. Come on, release a praise right there. Y'all, I said release a praise right there. So look, so, so he's like, I heard there's a man of God in this city. He's an honorable man. And everything that he says, it comes to pass. Saul wants to what? Cancel. But he had some with him that said, somebody with him that said, get creative. Listen, since you can't touch your neighbor, lay your hands on yourself say, get creative. Mm -mm, say it again. Say, get creative. See, too many times you think because it's not working, that means you should stop working it. I'm going to back that up. You think that because it's not working, you should stop working it. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes God says, I need you to get creative. It's not that it's not working. It's just not working, it, it's not working the way you're working it. 
I'm going to say it again. It's not that it's not working. It's just not working the way you're working it. It's not that it's not working. It's just not working the way you're working it. I'm going to say it again so you get it. It's not that it's not working. It's just not working the way you're working it. So watch me. But if God knows that you got a canceling spirit, why, watch me, why let you get creative if all you do is shut stuff down? See, some of you, you stop having to start over if you quit quitting. Saul was like, let's just quit and go back. You know why? He didn't have an appreciation for the value of the donkeys because, watch me, everything he had, he was given. You got to be grateful for the stuff nobody gave you, but that you had to fight to get. Why? Because it'll make you fight to keep it. See, people will always treat what they have based on the value that they had to pay to obtain it. So for every single person, if you give everything for free, no, don't be mad when they don't want to pay. It got quiet right there. I mean, it was quiet. In the you got me? So his servant is like, listen, I heard there's an honorable man in this city. He's a man of God, and he's going to help, and he can tell us our way. And Saul says, well, what can we give to the man of God? I have no gift to give him. And what do we learn on Sunday? This is where we get the phrase, sow to seal. Uh, he said, listen, we've got to we, we need to sow so he can tell us where to go. And what do we learn at the 1115? That every seed breaks a cycle. Every seed breaks a cycle. So what was the cycle? They've gone all these places, and life has tried to break them and remake them. But then when they put a seed on them, they knew that the cycle was about to break. Don't you let anybody talk about your faithful giving because your seed is what's breaking your cycles. Don't you let anybody talk about praying. Your seed is what's breaking your cycle. Don't you let anybody talk about your serving. Your seed is what's breaking your cycle. Open up your mouth, please, and say that. Say, my seed is breaking my cycle. So listen, so, so, so then they go to Saul, uh, Samuel, or excuse me, Saul and his servant, they go to Samuel, the man of God. When they go to Samuel, the man of God, um, he's like, listen, yesterday the Lord told me you were coming. The Lord prepared me for you. I need you to catch that. The Lord prepared Samuel for Saul. And I need you to hear me. God is preparing something for you. While you're being faithful in what you think is delay. That's because God is getting something ready. And whenever it's going to be real nice, it takes a little bit more time to get that thing prepared. I need you to say this. Say, every delay is to my benefit. Say it again. Say, every delay is to my benefit. So listen. So, 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 so he says, listen, the Lord told me yesterday you were going to come to me. So he says, listen, hey, listen, I want you to go up and prepare because you're going to eat with me at the high table tomorrow. And when you eat with me at the high table tomorrow, he says, I'm going to tell you everything that's on your mind. He says, you have been stressed out about everything, so you've done nothing. Ain't that a word? Sometimes when you're stressed out about everything, you literally will actually do nothing. And what ends up happening, he says, I'm going to tell you everything that's on your mind. And he says, and as for the donkeys that you thought you lost, don't worry about them. They have already been found. I need you to make this declaration. Say, 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 it's not lost. Say, it was preserved. Sometimes God has to allow things to be taken out of your sight so it's not your focus, so that he can get you to where it is he's ordained for you to be. For everybody that says, I wasted last year. No, you didn't. Mm -mm, it wasn't lost. It was just, watch me, it was just preserved. Nothing has been wasted. Can I get you to make that declaration and say, nothing has been wasted. So look at this, y'all. So, 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 so essentially, he gets to five. Five is the number of grace. Five is the number of favor. And when he gets to him at that time, what ends up happening? He says, listen, you're going to become another man. You're going to have a new heart. I'm getting ready to anoint you to be king. Check this out. 
Your seed ended your cycle. Now your season changes. Your seed ends your cycle. Now your season changes. So what happens? The man of God anoints him to be king. Watch me. And announces a new season of life. And says, for this new season, you need to be a new man. Okay. I need you to catch that. Say, for my next six, I need to be the best me. Yet. So, Bishop, what has God allowed me to do to get ready for that? Quarantine was more than just preparation and, and protection from a virus. It was to set you free from the virus of the old you. I need you to get that. It was to give you an opportunity to get rid of the old you. I need you to say this. Say, I'm better. Come on, say, I'm wiser. Come on, say, I'm smarter. Come on, somebody say, I'm more spiritual now. Say, I'm better than I was before. Say it again, I'm better than I was before. So, so Samuel says, listen, this is a new season of life that's going to start for you. You are going to be anointed king. You're getting ready to become a new man. So remember, life tr- God makes us, then what happens? Life tries to break us and remake us. So then what does, do? what does God do? He remakes us better than we were before. So here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 9. Look on the screen. Said, when he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him a what? Another heart. Heart in scripture means what? Mind. So you cannot change your surroundings until you've changed your internal thinking. Most people think if you change environments that you'll fix your thinking, not realizing if you take bad thinking into a new environment, you'll make a new environment, the old environment, because you think the same way as you were in the old environment. So don't think that moving is going to fix your life if you didn't move your mind. Don't think that something new is going to change your life if you didn't change your mind. I need you to lay your hands on yourself. Say, Lord, change my mind. Change my mind. That's why the scripture says, give me the mind of Christ. Why? So I can think like you think. I can speak like you think. I can talk like you think. I can act like you think. I need the mind of Christ. This is when he turns his back to leave Samuel. This is the time I saw. God gives him a what? Another heart. And all these sayings, uh, all these, uh, sayings or everything that was said came to pass. These signs came to pass that day. Let's skip down to verse 22. At this point, he's already been anointed to be king. I need you to catch that. Say, already anointed. anointed. The anointing means the crushing of an olive. Life has already tried to break you and remake you, dude. Why are you hiding now? Look at me. You've already paid for your next with your last. Why are you scared of it now? So they inquired again of the Lord. Is there a man still to come? So Samuel calls all the children of Israel together. When he calls all the children of Israel together, what ends up happening is this. Um, they come together, and, and Samuel's like, where's, where's Saul? Where's the new king? He's already paid for his next, but he's scared of it when it shows up. You've already prayed for stuff, and then you get scared when it shows up. Let me tell you what you say. It's too good. Well, then what'd you go through for? What'd you go through for? What did you go through all that hell for? What did you go through all that heartache for? If when it shows up, you screw it up. I rebuke you fumbling the ball when you get it this time. Ain't nobody gonna say nothing. I rebuke you messing up what you think is too good to be true. It is not. You've already paid for your next with your last. 
So they inquired again of the Lord. They said, is a man still to come? And the Lord said, behold, there he is. He's hiding himself amongst the baggage. I need you to look specifically at the words. He has hidden himself amongst the baggage. What did he do? He's hidden himself amongst the baggage. What did he do? He hid himself. Stop. You keep saying, I can't because of this, and nobody's holding you but you. Who hid him? Himself. Why? His own baggage. Who hit him? Why? Because his own baggage. All right, act like I'm holding you. Yep, matter of fact, come on, come, come on, hold him. And we, there's no way to socially distance hold, so special pass in Jesus' name. Okay, now get behind him, get behind him and like restrain him, hold him. So try, try to, like you moving forward. Come, like, try to, you come, 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 but hold him, don't let him go, okay. This is one thing, but everybody look at me, say that's not where I'm at. That's not where I'm at. Let him go. Now, all right, still act like you're being held. This is what you look like in the spirit. The devil is like, what is he doing? God, I'm just, I can't, I can't, I got it. And God is like, ain't nobody holding you. Well, well, but what about my past? Nobody even cares. You are literally holding yourself back. Saul hid himself. And tonight I came to get everybody that's been hiding behind your baggage. I tell you to come out. Come on. I tell you to come out. I tell you to come out. I tell you to come out. I tell you to. I need you to type it on the screen. I'm coming out. Come on. God. Say, I'm coming out. You are not being held back. You are not being stopped. You are not being prevented. You are not being stopped. You are not being held back. You are not being prevented. Holla, I'm coming out. He hid himself amongst the baggage. So his struggle was with him, not them. Why? They asked for him. They just said, is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, there he is. Look at me. I haven't changed my mind. Just because you're struggling with you. Somebody said, there you go. Maybe I said, say, say, there I go. Ready? Look at verse 23. Then they ran and took him from there. And when he stood amongst the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. Verse 27. But some worthless fellows said, how can this man save us? And they despised him. They look, that means they looked down on him. He's already got an issue what? Struggling with him. So what's the first thing the enemy does right after his great moment? Has some people talk about him. Look at me. If no one's talking about you, you're not very good at anything. I'm going to say it again so that you get it. If nobody is talking about you, you're not very good at anything. What did that just reveal to you, to, to, to me, Bishop? Is that you must be good at something. <laughs> and I need you to stop looking at people talking about you. I just don't know why people are talking about me. Instead, look at it and say, oop, I must be good at something. Because you never attack something with no value. Mm. A bank robber never goes into a bank if the bank ain't got no money. I need you to realize your attack was actually an announcement. Your attack was actually an announcement. I'm going to say it one more time so you get me. Your attack was actually an announcement. It's an announcement that there's value. It's an announcement that there's purpose. It's an announcement that God's not done with you yet. 
So look, first thing he does, he's already struggling with him what? Himself. He's got to fight external enemies by simultaneously dealing with his inner me. So here it is. Let's look at where we're at, guys. So now, some worthless fellows. Why does the Bible take the time to tell you what they are? Because it tells you why you shouldn't listen to them. It's amazing to me the voices you give credence to. The voices you validate. People who ain't done nothing, you trying to, and they criticize into something you're doing. I have a question that I always ask people when, when they're overly critical about things they've never accomplished. My question to them is, so tell me what you've built. Tell me what you've done. Tell me what you've accomplished. Because you got all these criticisms, and that's nice. I just want to know where on your resume are you qualified to critique something you don't even have the expertise to build? Y'all don't like that right there. Why does the Bible say they're worthless fellows? Because why are you asking cursed folk how to be blessed? Why are you asking the folks that you're supposed to uh, help show a new way to get things done, why are you asking them how to get it done? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? How can this man say this? And they despised him. That means they talked about him. And they brought him no present. That means they dishonored him. His first day on the job as king, he's getting talked about, and people are disrespecting him. What does that mean? The enemy knows that if you're struggling with you, watch what he throws at you. People talking about you and disrespecting you. Because if you get talked about and disrespected, his objective is this, is that you will then self-destruct because you don't know how to simultaneously deal with them and you. I'm talking slow because I need you to get this. I need you to get this. Say, I will not self-destruct. Say, I will not self-sabotage. Say, I can do both of them at the same time. So what did I tell you on Sunday? Watch me. Don't let worthless people make you abandon your worth. Now, let's go further in Saul's story tonight. If you're just coming in, I need you to like this video. Tell me where you're watching from and share this video tonight. Share this message tonight because it's about to get good. That, that first part of the message was, uh, was just uh, uh, replay. Review. You ready? Now y'all ready for the new meat? Here we go. Y'all ready? It's fresh and hot. It's like a good plate of fajitas. Pop it. Pop it in your face. Y'all ready? 1 Samuel chapter 13. In 1 Samuel 13, verses 13 through 14, Saul does something very interesting. Saul disobeys Samuel's instruction. This is important because who was responsible for Sam Saul's success? Samuel. What is Samuel? The man of God. When Saul obeyed the instruction, Saul got results. Saul then decided, I'm no longer going to listen to the voice that got me my last win. I'm no longer going to follow the instructions. So, and Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel for what? Forever. Saul disobeyed Samuel's instruction, and God was going to take the kingdom from him. But y'all ready for this? Here's your place to shout. You ready? But God does for him the same thing he does for us. He gives him another chance. And I need to ask you a question. What you going to do with yours? I need to ask you a question. What are you going to do with yours? I need to ask you a question. What are you going to do with yours? Why beg for mercy if when you get it, you screw it up the same way you did last time? I need you to open your mouth and say, I'm going to maximize my chance. Come on. Uh -uh, I need you to say that thing until it gets all on the inside of you. Say, I'm going to work my second chance. Say, I'm going to maximize my second chance. 
Y'all better hit me this next six months. For many of you, God's going to give you the opportunity to hit reset on some stuff that didn't go right the first six. And I need you to make it happen. Somebody say, I'm going to make it happen. So what does God do? God gives him a second chance. Where is his second chance? His second chance is found in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1. 1 Samuel 15, verse 1. You're going to go on the screen. And Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Look at me. He doesn't bring up his last failure because he already knows Saul struggles with insecurity. So he doesn't start this conversation and say, remember, dude, how you didn't listen last time. He starts this conversation by saying, hey, 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 the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people. What does he do? He reminds him of who he is. Because when you get into a what, it won't produce a why. You need a why before you get into a what. You miss me. Let me back the dang up. When you get into a what, it will not produce a why. You need to have your why before you get into a what. What are you saying, Bishop? Many times, you are hoping that going through something will reveal to you who you are. Here's the reality. You need to know who you are before you go through something. Because it's going to change your actions. It's going to change how you act, how you talk, how you walk, how you do what you do when you do what you do. So look, 1 Samuel 15, 1. And Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Confession number one, because the title of today's message is, these are Saul's confessions. These are Saul's confessions. You ready for confession number one? Here's what he would tell you. He missed that his battle was his second chance. I'm going to say it slow, and I need you to catch it, though, because I need to finish this in six minutes. He missed that his battle was his second chance. The battles you are facing now are your second chance. Y'all, y'all, y'all. <laughs> I, need, I need to get that. I, I need to get that. I need to get that. The second chance wasn't a removal of the battle. The second chance was a new one. The second chance wasn't a removal of the problem. It was a new confession number one that Saul would give us. And Saul would say, I missed the fact that my battle was my second chance. But anybody dealing with some battles right now? Anybody dealing with some battles? That's your second chance. That's God saying, I ain't done, but I need you to get it right this time. I ain't done, but I need you to come on this time. I'm not done, but let's get it done. I need you to say, I'm going to maximize my second chance. And can we tell the truth? We ain't on no second chance. We on 50-11 chances. What does that mean? A whole lot of them. But I'm so grateful. Let's pause for just a minute. That God's got new grace and he's got new mercy. The Bible says every morning his mercies are new. What is grace? Grace is when God gives us something good we don't deserve. And mercy is when God blocks something that we do deserve. I need you to open up your mouth wherever you are at and say, God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Come on, y'all. Say thank you for your grace and your mercy. You ain't on no second chance. You on chance 7,228,492,212. Ready? This was his another chance. He didn't realize that his battle was actually a blessing. It was God saying, you messed up last time and didn't obey what I said. 
Let me give you another shot. And then the new shot's going to come in the form of another struggle. Okay. I need y'all to get this. Verse 3. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them. Kill both man and woman, child and infant, oxen, sheep, camel, and donkey. What did God say? Kill everybody. Why did he give them such a rough instruction? Because, please look at me. Please look at me. Because while Saul is struggling with himself, he's got to watch others struggle by his hand. And God says, I need to know that you're going to do what I say when I say do it, even if you don't agree with it. Because submission begins where agreement ends. But I just feel, listen, that God does not ask for what you feel nor think. He tells you what to do. He doesn't negotiate. I just want to get my opinion and thoughts out. Notice how God didn't ask. God said, kill everybody. You want to know what's interesting? God has a history of doing that in Scripture. And it's, and it, look at me, it is not because, it is not even necessarily, y'all ready for this? I'm going to turn this corner. It is not because you said, my God, God, that's rough. I love the Bible. Make people think twice about messing with God's people. He's a lover, but child, mess with me. He, but look, he told Abraham, go kill Isaac, your only son. Go kill him. Sacrifice him to me. My son? Why are we still talking? Go do what I said. Come on, son, let's go. And they're going up the rough side of the mountain. <laughs> and he's got Isaac with him. And he's like, oh, my God. And he's like, son, Isaac's like, Lord, or Father, what are we going to do? He says, son, we're about to go sacrifice. Sacrifice? Where's the lamb? What does he say? God will provide. Jaira. <laughs> he says, God will provide. They get up there. He lays Isaac out, gets everything ready. Isaac is, you can, can just imagine this for real, though. Imagine Isaac. Okay, take my shoes off. Okay, take my jewelry out. Okay. Now lay down, son. Isn't that where the lamb go? Abraham gets his hand back. And when he pulls it back, he's, he's getting ready to end the life of Isaac. And watch what happened. An angel says, stop! There's a ram that's in the bush on the other side of the mountain. Which means when you started obeying, I started sending provision. Some of you are like, God, I don't know how it's going to get done. I need you to do what you're told and follow the instruction. And when you follow the instruction, I'm going to send provision. The moment you started obeying and walking up one mountain, I started sending a ram up the other side of the mountain. And he says, you're not going to need to make this sacrifice. He says, your sacrifice is on the other side of the mountain. Everybody, please look at me. Here's why that is so powerful. Because God never wanted Isaac to die. He wanted Abraham to believe. He never wanted Isaac to die. He wanted Abraham to obey. What are you trying to say? Even in the scripture we're reading, what if God didn't really want them to die? He just needed to know Saul would finally obey. All right, that's too deep. Let's go Wednesday. First Samuel 15, verse number 10. Let's see what happened. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. Verse 11. 
I regret that I've made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me, and he has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. What happened? In verse 1, God's given him another chance. By verse 11, God is like, I'm done. I regret I ever picked him. Way this mark is acting. What, well, what happened? Look at verse 12. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, and it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself. Confession number two. Listen, what's the, what's the couch for? The couch is because whenever you start telling all your business, you need to, watch me, you need to be able to sit on somebody's couch sometime. And watch me, whenever you're having therapy, sometimes you just need to sit on the couch. Watch me, some of you are like, you can have therapy because you're sitting on your couch right now. Let's have a little therapy right now. You ready? Here it is, confession number two. What does the Bible say? He made a, put the verse up, what does the Bible say? He made a monument for himself. You didn't do what you were told, sir. Why are you making a monument for yourself? Here's confession number two. His insecurity makes him idolize himself. When you're insecure, everything is about you. Nothing could possibly be about anybody else because the reality is if you let go of the insecurity that you have for you, you don't have enough security to care about somebody else. His insecurity makes him idolize himself. Everything's about him. You know you're dealing with a Saul when everything goes back to them, stuff that has nothing to do with them. You're talking about, hey, did you put that cord where you're supposed to do it? Well, in my heart, I just, I'm not asking you nothing about your heart, man. Is the cord where the cord's supposed to go? You know what I'm saying? Did you do such and such? Well, I just, you literally are idolizing yourself because of insecurity. He makes a monument to himself. That's deep. What monuments have you made when you were supposed to keep it moving? You made a monument at 32 when you got in that bad relationship. And so subsequently, even though now you're 10 years later, you're still that person because in that marriage there was insecurity and that insecurity now you made a monument out of. Y'all still with me? This is therapy, but this is church therapy, so talk back to me. All right, here we go. <laughs> Look, he turned and he passed and went down to Gilgal. Verse 13, we're going to jump around for the second time. And Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed be the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Well, then why does God regret that he made you king? Here's confession, here's confession number three. I, he would say this to you. He thought giving God average was acceptable. Saul says, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. I have made an idol unto myself. Here go to idol. I have made an idol unto myself. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Check this out. Look at what he does. He spiritualizes his disobedience. Well, I prayed about it, and I just don't think that's what I'm supposed to do. Maybe didn't just, huh? You, you didn't, we didn't, we didn't need to pray about it. You just needed to do it. It didn't violate scripture, so you just needed to obey. Y'all aren't going to say nothing to me, and so it's about to get real, real right through here. It amazes me, people in church who serve in church, and you got to pray about following an instruction that you were given that in, in the realm of your serving. I just need to pray about whether or not I'm going to fill out the dream team application. But, this, but then don't fill it out. Y'all ain't going to talk to me, and your silence is about to make me get real fuggery in here. I just need to pray about if I'm going to lead that song. Baby, listen, well, we'll find another. Sing the song, Anime Bullock, and sing it the way I tell you. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. 
I need to pray with an animal. Listen, God is like, look, man, this doesn't require you to spiritualize your disobedience. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. Woo! I need to pray. I need to pray. I need to pray about uh, uh, whether my... Listen, listen. It's amazing. Okay, I'm going to go here now since it's quiet in the room. Y'all may be chatting a lot online, but they, these people in this room ain't saying nothing. So now it's going to get real. I love them. I love everybody. I love y'all. I love everybody. Here's the deal. It's amazing. You pray more about stuff, watch me, that doesn't require prayer than the stuff that does. See, you let that ninja up in your house after two weeks of dating them. Y'all ain't going to send it to me. You didn't pray about that, but you sitting up here praying about something spiritual? Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. You don't pray once about your friends and letting them do this, that, and the other. She praying about spiritual stuff? I'm not sure if I'm going to get on this fast with the church. I'm going to need to pray about it. What are you praying about? Unless you got sugar. <laughs> sugar is a southern way to refer to a specific type of thing. Y'all catching what I'm saying? Let's be honest. How many of you have done that? How many of you, I, now, I actually need to be honest. I have not done that in my walk with the Lord. I have never been given an instruction and said, let me pray about that. I, so I can't, I ain't going to lie that lie. I have not, I have not done it in my walk with the Lord. Um, but if I was given an instruction, I never said, let me pray about it. Even when God called me to pastor, I didn't, I didn't say, let me pray about it. I just didn't want to do it. <laughs> and he got his guess out of me. Come on here. Check this out. He spiritualizes his disobedience. That is so important, y'all, because often we will spiritualize doing what we are not supposed to do. I just feel like God's telling me I need to take a break. From church? You don't even make sense. Then stop breathing then. I think he's telling you that too. Stop. It don't last that long. Now he's like, Bishop, that's rough. But I need to preach it rough so that we see how ridiculous it sounds. If I just glaze over that, we'll be like, mm, that's nice. I'm going to pray about it. I got to preach it rough because sometimes, watch me, and delayed obedience is disobedience. There are certain things don't require prayer. I just need to pray if I'm going to be a faithful giver. There's nothing to pray. If it's in the word, can I get you to type this on the screen? If it's in the word, there's nothing to pray about. There's nothing to, there's nothing to pray about. There's, just, there's nothing to pray about, nothing to figure out. I just followed the instructions. Come on, let's wash this down with a little spirituality. Come on. Can I get you to lift both of your hands and say, Lord, your will, not mine. Come on. Say it again. Say, your will, not mine. All right? Now, now, now watch. Let's go further. What is that revealing to you when you want to pray about everything that doesn't need to be prayed about? It's revealing to you your insecurity. The reason you want to pray about it is because you're scared of it. And what you need to learn how to do is jump in. Oh, come on. We're about to go. Yeah, we're about to go. We're about to go. We're about to go. I need everybody to say, I'm jumping in. I'm jumping in. I'm jumping in. I'm jumping in. Say, say, I'm jumping in. I'm jumping in. I'm jumping in. I can't be scared of it. Okay? Can we go further, y'all? All right, let's look. So look. So verse 14. And Samuel said, what is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears? And the lowing of the oxen that I hear. And Saul said, watch this. They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. Huh? They 
brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we devoted to destruction. What do we see Saul beginning to do? Who's the king? Him. Who's he blaming? The people. Why want the seat of power if all you're going to do is blame the people? Why do you want the seat if all you're going to do is blame the people? You ready? Come on, y'all. Let's go. Let's go. It's, this, this, this is meaty, apparently. Okay, here we go. Verse 16. <laughs> I like Samuel. Say, I like Samuel, too. Then Samuel said, stop. I'm going to tell you what the Lord told me tonight. He said it like burning man. Let me tell you something. <laughs> and he said to him, speak. Verse 17. And Samuel said, watch this, guys. Though you are little to you, aren't you the head of the tribes of Israel? And didn't the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Everybody look at me. He says, Saul, you, watch me. You don't understand, here's his fourth confession, that your little choices have big consequences. Little choices have what? Big consequences. Say it with me. Little choices have what? Big consequences. Say it with me. Little choices have what? Big consequences. But here's the deeper part. The deeper part is you see yourself so small because you're so insecure. You see yourself as so small because you're insecure. And your insecurity, if I look at me, your insecurity makes you indecisive. Y'all still with this tonight? Okay, don't y'all get quiet on me. Come on, chat. Don't y'all get quiet on me. All right? Look at verse 18. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Verse 19. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you uh, uh, pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul, and Saul said to Samuel, look at this, guys. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on a mission which the Lord sent me. I brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I've devoted the Amalekites to destruction. Here's confession number five Saul would give you. And for this one, I need to get on the couch. You ready? Saul would say, I intentionally act brand new. I intentionally act like I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I intentionally act confused. I intentionally act startled. I, can, can, I, I intentionally act this way. Look at this. He says, I did obey God's voice. Dude. What did God tell him? Kill everybody. What did he do? Brought some sheep, some oxen, kept the king. Look at me. Y'all ready for this? That's what we do with God. We act brand new. We act, God, I did everything you said to do. Except give, serve, fast, pray. Forgive. Everything else I did. And then we get an attitude with God. Can't believe you, God. Can't believe you acting like this with me, God. Can we go further? Look at verse 24. Saul said to Samuel, so in between these two verses, 
Saul, Samuel tells Saul, look, man, you, God's going to rip the kingdom from you. What's the kingdom? Heaven's attributes on earth, the way God does things. He says, the kingdom's not yours anymore. I need y'all to hear me. God's way of doing things, he says, since you want to do it your way, do it your way now. Everybody look at me. He didn't say go to hell. He said, you're going to create a hell because you want to do it your way. So since you want to do it your way, Burger King, go on and do it your way. So look, finally, Saul says to Samuel, it's quiet in this church. I have sinned. Okay, I sinned. I sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. Wait a minute. Sin means to make a mistake. Transgress means to willfully deviate. He says, my mistake was that I intentionally did what was wrong. I intentionally didn't do what I was told. I transgressed the commandment of the Lord. And watch me, your words. Here's the line. Because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. Because when you're insecure, you think applause means right. When you're insecure, you think people cheering for you means you did something well. They cheered for him, but he was dead wrong. It's quiet in here. When he should have wanted the affirmation, but affirmation can only come from one that's above you, and that would have come from Samuel. That would have came from the Lord. Instead, he wanted applause. So the people look at great King Saul. Long live King Saul. And God is like, I gave you another chance. I didn't even want to do this king thing. I picked you because I thought you could handle it. And now I'm discovering, Saul, that you actually want to do what they want to do versus what I want you to do. Look at this, verse 26. Or actually, let's go to verse 25. We're almost done. Y'all all right? Now, therefore, look at him. Pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. It took all this back and forth to get you to admit. Everybody look at me. When you are difficult to admit, watch me, you forfeit your future. When, it, when you are difficult to admit your failures, you forfeit your future. When it's difficult for you to admit your failures, you forfeit your future. Everybody under the sound of my voice, we've had failure, right? Here's the deal. But do you still think it was all their fault? Do you still think it was all your boss's fault? All 17 bosses you've had in the last four years? It's all their fault, right? Right? Do, do you really think, is that how you really think about it? Come on, y'all. I'm almost done. Uh, God is like, why is it so difficult for you to admit your failures? I had to go through all of this back and forth with you just to admit what you did. And now, once you admit it, watch your request. Okay, no big deal. No big deal. Come on, Samuel, let's go so I can go bow before the Lord. He said, let me go have some more praise and worship. Because if I go praise and worship, maybe... This praise and worship will take my mind, watch me, 
off of the reality of my disobedience. This is why some people get more into worship than word, because the worship makes you escape the reality that you don't obey the word. We got a whole generation of people, I just want to worship, I just want to worship, I just want to worship, because you don't do the word, that's why. It's quiet. Come on, let's just lay in his presence. And that's good. I'm not knocking, duh, I'm not knocking worship. Not knocking that. What I'm saying is, sometimes, it's kind of like this. Can I give you a relationship example? You thinking that having sexual intimacy is going to erase the fact that you're incompatible. It won't. All it'll do is take your mind off of the fact that you can't stand it. And then once you get up, go wash off. Oh, now y'all want to listen to the word. Now y'all chatting, huh? Put the verse on the screen so I can quit. <sighs> All right. Look at verse 26. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you. For you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Everybody look at me. He didn't reject Saul. He just said, you can't do that anymore. Imagine... Saul hearing, this seat, sir, is no longer yours. In fact, if I had time, which I don't, he says, he's going to give it to one of your neighbors. That neighbor is named David. David's the next man in bad boy. Because what do you do when you take somebody's seat who forfeited their seat, and now you're in the seat, and he wants it back. Okay. Trying to get it to twist. Listen. Look at me. Everybody look at me. Saul started with a call that ended in calamity. Can we look at the end of the story? In 1 Samuel 31 and 3. This is the end. God says, hey, man, I reject you from being king. Saul, Samuel eventually is gone. Samuel dies. Saul conjures up Samuel from the dead. He goes to a medium and says, bring him up. He says, Samuel, come back. He says, look at me. He says, I can't hear from God no more. I need you to know, from this moment, it was approximately 14 years before the throne was taken and given to David. I need y'all to hear me. It was 14 years. That's good. I didn't even catch that until I caught that. Listen. I didn't even catch that until I caught that. Listen, it was 14. It was 14 years. David was 16. God, I didn't catch that until I caught that. 
Look, but look, it was 14 years from when God said, okay, Saul, this ain't your seat no more. But he had some guy on the backside, a shepherd. <laughs> I'm going to preach that since y'all shouted today. A shepherd that was dealing with some sheep. Watch me. The unlikely leader who was dealing with some sheep. Watch me. He's dealing with these sheep. And in this moment, Samuel goes. Samuel anoints him. Samuel anoints him in front of his brethren in his father's Jesse's house. And guess what happens, guys? You'd think instantly, this is about to make me shout now. You'd think that instantly he would rise to the throne. God says, let me take you. <laughs> this is for me. I didn't catch that till I caught that. <laughs> Watch me. Look, he says, for 14 years, I'm going to take you through hell. For 14 years, I'm going to take you through tests, trials, tribulation, drama. David, I'm going to pull you into Saul's house because Saul can't hear from me no more. So watch me. So they're going to have to use you to hear me. Ah, this, is, this is a word. I got to finish. And 14 years later, David would ascend to the throne. Everybody look at me. God gave Saul 14 years to get real about it. And he didn't. The whole time, he keeps saying, I did what God said. Just one time he repents. Every other time he keeps just, look at me, he keeps justifying why he did what he did. Everybody look at me. David needed to be prepared, but God kept giving Saul more time. I need you to lift your hands up. I need you to lift your hands up. Say, Father, thank you for giving me more time. Come on. Say it again. Say, Father, thank you for giving me more time. Say it again. Say, thank you for giving me more time. I, I got I to quit this because I'm way over time. 1 Samuel 31 and 3. Y'all getting something tonight? So the battle pressed hard against Saul. What chapter were we in when um, all this went down? 1 Samuel 15. Where are we at? 1 Samuel 31. So the battle pressed hard against Saul. Saul had many battles in between. Look at me. And, and they won. But Saul never changed. Saul never did different. And I need you to make this declaration over your own life. Say, Lord, I won't go out like Saul. Mm. Come on, make it, make, it, make it mean something. Say, Father, thank you for another chance. Say, I'm not messing it up this time. So the battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him. And he was badly, what? Wounded by the archers. 14 plus years later, he's in a battle. It's 14 plus years now because David's been brought into the house. Say my house is next. 
There's some people who didn't appreciate what God gave them and it's about to be transferred to you. Y'all better open up your mouth tonight and say, my house is next. So the battle pressed hard against Saul and the archers found him and he was badly wounded by the archers. Next verse says this. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it. He says, kill me. Lest he's uncircumcised. That means non-Hebrew men. Thrust me through with them and mistreat me. Look at me. When you begin to disobey, look at me, you become delusional. Because in his mind, please leave it up, because in his mind, here's what happens. In his mind, I obeyed the voice of the Lord 14 plus years ago. They're going to kill me, then treat me bad. Look at me. They're going to kill me and treat me bad. <laughs> Look at me. You're delusional, Saul. What do you mean they're going to kill you and treat you bad? If they kill you, you're gone. They can't mistreat you. But when you disobey, you become delusional. I need you to open your mouth and make this declaration. Say, Lord, give me a spirit to obey. Say, give me the mentality to obey. But his armor bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore, Saul took his own sword and fell on him. What happened? He took himself out. He allowed his wounds from the past, hear me, to affect his present wind. Come look at me. Who took Saul out? He did. In your past, whatever your age is, who took you out? But I need you to do something. I need you to take these two fingers. I need you to put them right here on your wrist. Wait a minute. It's still beating. It says you still have a pulse. God still has a plan. I don't care what it was before. I need you to make this declaration and say, but God still has a plan. Come on, make this declaration over your life. Say, it doesn't matter what happened before. Say, I take responsibility for it. Say, God still has a plan. Say it like you mean it. Say, God still has a plan. Let me tell you why this is so important. If you would look there at verse number five. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, what happened? He fell upon his sword and died with him. So now, watch me. Saul takes himself out, but then who's next to him takes himself out. Why do I need us to get this message tonight? Because your bounce back is about to affect everybody around you. Your next six is about to affect everybody around you. Come on, y'all. I need you to realize you cannot give up now. You cannot cancel. You cannot quit. You cannot throw in the towel. Why? Because your bounce back is connected to somebody else's. I need you to open up your mouth and say, I shall live and not die. Look. Look at verse 6. Thus Saul died. Wait a minute. And his kids. His three sons. 
and his armor bearer and all his men on the same day. And my parent, look at me. Your parent, look at me. You can't afford to do life the way you used to do it. Why? Because not only are you curse, a curse breaker, but your kids are. Not only are you the interruption to the dysfunction, but your kids will be. If you don't get this victory, it's about to affect your bloodline. And I need you to make this declaration over your bloodline that comes after you. Say, we are the interruption to the dysfunction. Come on, say it all. Say, we are the interruption to the dysfunction. He and his sons, and who was close to him, all died the same day. Because when you take the king, you take the camp. When you take the king, you take the camp. This is bigger than you. This is bigger than you. Somebody say, this is bigger than me. All right, let's finish it. Verse 7. When the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, look at this, they abandoned their cities and fled. And the Philistines came and lived in them. When Saul is gone, his sons are gone, who's close to him is gone, watch me, and they lose the cities. Everybody look at me. So this is not just about your kids. It's about your community. It's about your city. It's about your region. I need you to make this declaration over yourself. Say, I'm a world changer. Say, I'm a history maker. Say, I'm not going out like Saul. Come on, I'm not going out like Saul. Can I dare you to stand up on your feet? I'm over time, but I hope you got this word tonight. Somebody say, I'm not going out like Saul. Say, I'm not going out like Saul. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, and at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God, and they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means. That not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word decision 
to the phone number 59769. And when you do, I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.